0: Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. This week we're joined by Tom Thibodeau as we remember a remarkable event from 9-11. And as we hear Tom's message today, we're reminded that all of our lives are built on the sacrifices of other people. And we should never forget those people who turn their service of love into something visible. So let's join Tom Thibodeau with this week's PDPW Weekly Podcast titled sacrifice
1: hello friends as you're listening to this we have just completed remembering 9-11 it was one day but let's take more than a weekend to remember the sacrifice and service of all those people who lost their lives and all those people who saved lives on 9-11 2001 None of us will forget it's been etched into the memory of Americans and the world. Sacrifice comes from two Latin words, sacro ficio, which means to make sacred, to give your life to a cause and purpose greater than yourself. We now remember the sacrifice that fellow Americans made on our behalf. Eugene Kennedy has written a marvelous reflection piece called 9-11, Meditations at the Center of the World. Eddie Wright. Until September 11, 2001, we had no sample of any size to tell us what people were like when they faced certain death. Now, however, we know, thanks to dozens of cell phone calls and beyond any doubt, what men and women do in those last seconds of their lives. They forget themselves as they think of those they love, their spouses and children, their parents and friends, They do not complain or bemoan their fate, neither do they pray for miraculous deliverance or even for the forgiveness of their sins. They do not think about themselves as they speak their last words. They just want to tell others how much they love them, that they want them to be safe, that they want them to be happy, that their last will and true testament is one of utter concern for those they cherish that they break free of the grasp of death and judgment on their lives by giving themselves away so completely that before time runs out, they are already immersed in the eternal. The flaming towers in the skies were not filled with business travelers or tourists that last morning, but with lovers, some laying down their lives for their friends, but all of them at their best, drawn fully out of themselves so we may see them as they really were all the time. Blessed are these boomers, unpossessed by their possessions, saving us rather than themselves, loving their own until the end, as great or greater than any generation we will ever know. People who are willing to sacrifice on our behalf for the people they love and for an ideal of freedom. It's service love made visible, and we still remember the firefighters police officers, EMTs, captains of ships who came from as far as Massachusetts to evacuate people from New York City. We saw doctors and nurses rush to the Twin Towers and the Pentagon to save the lives of people who were fellow citizens, fellow human beings, military members who went on high alert in order to protect this country. People as civil servants who manned their posts and made sure that citizens were safe, stayed safe, that our electrical grid was protected, that we had enough to eat and clean water to drink. And finally, on that night, I remember as iron workers with hard hats and heavy equipment who showed up to rescue people they never met. Iron workers whose fathers had built the Twin Towers Now we're there to sift through the rubble, to save human beings who they had never met, but who they had always loved. All responding to the call to sacrifice and to serve. This is our heritage. This is our lives. All of our lives are built on the sacrifices of other people. We look back and recognize that all of us Our descendants of survivors, all of us had parents and grandparents who survived world wars, tragic events, the flu epidemic of 1918. All of us can remember that our parents and grandparents and great-great-grandparents came with great difficulty from other parts of the world in order to start a new life that we now enjoy in this great country. Many of us remember that our poor parents in the 18th century came over in steerage and were not always welcomed, but had to make their way. And with the help and sacrifice of each other, they built lives worthy of us. How extraordinary that is. This summer, I was given a book by one of my former students, John Armbruster, a social studies teacher who at the time was in North Crawford, Wisconsin, teaching social studies, and one day while he was standing in his class, he heard two men outside of his classroom door, and they were pointing to the teacher uh, in the room across the hall from his, and they said, do you know that that woman's dad was a World War II vet who fell four miles out of the sky without a parachute and survived? He listened to that with amazement, and after school, he went up to the teacher, and he said, I, I was listening then, I don't mean to cry, but they mentioned that your father was a World War II vet and that he had fell four miles out of the sky without a parachute. Is that correct? And she said, yes, it is. Well, he said, can you tell me more? And she said, no, my father won't talk about it to us. Maybe he'll talk to you about it. So she introduced this teacher to her, her dad, her dad's name, Eugene Moran. And they decided that they would meet on Thursdays, and they would sit down and meet for an hour. Thursdays with Eugene. Eugene liked Blats and he would go to the refrigerator, take out a can of Blats, and he got John a can of Coors, and they sat down and talked with each other. John, when he first met Eugene, didn't know where to start. And so just kind of had introductions and rather uncomfortable. And then John remembered uh, the great author, Ben Logan, at that point was living in a nursing home in Baroque. Ben Logan has written the most marvelous book in terms of growing up on the farm. It's, the name of the book is called The Land Remembers and was in the New York Times bestseller list for three years in the eight, late 1980s. And he went and saw Ben, who, who was in his 90s, and Ben said, the man has a story to tell, John, and you're the person to tell the story. But remember, farmers who grew up close close to the land in that generation, they don't talk easily about themselves. So talk about what he knows. So John would go back and talk to Eugene about growing up on the farm. What was it like in the 1930s? And finally got to the point where Eugene said, well, in 1938, after getting done milking, he said, "I, I walked out into the fields and I saw a plane going across the sky. And I thought to myself, I'd like to be able to fly someday. Well, two years later, he turns, he turns 18 in 1940, hitchhikes to Madison, Wisconsin, gets the papers, comes home, has his parents sign them, brings them back. He hitchhikes back to Madison again and joins up for the United States Air Corps. Shortly after that, we have the bombing of Pearl Harbor. At that point, Eugene is already in training, and shortly after he completes his training in the United States Air Corps, he gets sent to Great Britain where well, he'd be a tail gunner in the flying fortresses. He was a pretty good shot because growing up on the farm, you had to be a pretty good shot in order to shoot wildlife for, for, and game for food during the wintertime. Remember, this was a time before they had all kinds of cold storage, and so you had to go out and find, find your food, and he became a pretty good shot. And because of that, was able to qualify as a tail gunner on one of these flying fortresses. He was on a flying fortress mission that went over Norway and bombed uh, a plant in which they were making heavy water for uh, atomic bombs. Thank God that our Air Force got there before the Nazis were able to complete that or they would have the bomb first. On a seventh mission out, Eugene is over Germany, and uh, they were attacked as they were as they completed the mission by a group of German fire pilots in Lufthansa. and. Uh, the back of his plane was shot down. The tailpiece broke off, and Eugene fell four miles to the earth in this tailpiece of the plane, crashes in the forest, and survives. He has a terrible brain concussion, a skull fracture. He's found by the Nazis sometime in the course of that day, and he's so happy that the soldiers found him rather than the townspeople for the townspeople were very angry with Americans who were bombing their country. And they take him to a prisoner of war camp where he is given emergency brain surgery by two surgeons, Serbians, who are being held in that camp. Had those Serbian doctors not been there, Eugene would have never lived. And they stitched him back together and thus began a long period of rehabilitation. But he spent the next 18 months as a prisoner of war as the Allies were Moving in on the Germans, they would move the prisoners of war from one place to the next. They had to march through fields, and of course they didn't feed the prisoners until they had to forage for food. Well, Eugene, growing up on the farm, he knew where farmers stored their fields, and so he'd always look for for a mound that might have been a dry cellar, and he'd find potatoes and carrots, and he'd feed himself and he'd feed his friends because of the skills he learned back in southwestern Wisconsin growing up on the farm. Eugene comes back to the United States and gets married, nine children, and served our nation by working for the post office. He was so badly damaged he couldn't go back to farm work physically, but he started work for the post office and became the volunteer fire chief in Soldiers Grove, Wisconsin, for the next 45 years. He began the EMT service in that part of his county that would save his neighbors and his friends once they had an accident. Eugene sacrificed for this country in his early 20s. He came back, and he continued to sacrifice and serve, but did not talk about it, as so many of that generation never did. They just did what they knew they had to do, not unlike the people of 9-11. They didn't bemoan their fate. They didn't criticize the government. They did what they could. Those brave and noble people on 9-11 who broke into a cockpit and downed the plane knowing it would cost their lives, but it was not going to strike where it was headed. They're remembered in a field in Pennsylvania. All of our lives are predicated and inspired by the sacrifice of other people. Now, as John was writing this, marvelous story. His own wife is suffering from brain cancer. And what's extraordinary about this book, it's a story not only about survival, but by survivors. And what we recognize that even this weekend is that we not only recognize those people who have died, but we recognize those people who survived. Those people who are here to still remind us of what sacrifice looks like in the flesh. John's wife, the author, his wife died of brain cancer. Eugene dies in 2016, and John was left to finish the book. In 2018, the village in which Eugene had crashed to the earth from four miles above took that time to honor Eugene and another member of his plane that was shot down who had parachuted to safety landed in the trees, and school children cut down a parachute and brought the soldier to a convent until he was found by the Nazis, and he, too, was moved to a prisoner of war camp. But they wanted to honor these two American flyboys. So John was invited, as along as long with Eugene's family and the family of the other uh, member of that, that flight team. And John was a little bit uh, disturbed. What would the people of Germany think? Um, Here he was coming to tell the story of an American flyboy who had bombed Germany. And it was quite the opposite. When they got there, they were so happy that they came, and they honored them with a banquet. And after the banquet, they went on to the forest, where they had built a monument to Eugene, the place where he had fallen to earth from four miles. A miracle, if you will. And they honored Eugene and they thanked the family, and they said, because of your father's sacrifice and the courage and sacrifice of so many of those young American flyboys, Hitler was defeated, and we do not live under Nazism. It took the courage of those young Americans to protect us, we will never forget. Remembering the sacrifice of Eugene Moran, everyone who is listening to this podcast, you can identify people in your own family, parents and grandparents who sacrificed in Iraq and Afghanistan, in Vietnam and Korea, World War II. You can recognize the sacrifice of others who have made our freedom possible and as I tell the story of Eugene Moran, I think of my own father, who was a fly boy, who left college to join the American Air Corps and found himself in the Aleutian Islands where he was tasked with flying planes from the Aleutians over to Siberia for our Russian allies in their fight against the Germans. All of our lives, all of our freedoms All the gifts that we enjoy in this country are because of the service and sacrifice of others. And how many of our parents and our grandparents and those people who served and sacrificed came from rural America? The hard work and dedication that they put to work each and every day to feed others, their families and their communities, now they brought it to the nation. It's extraordinary that the farmers of world war ii everything that they grew went to the defense department to feed our soldiers roosevelt said the power to the fence for civil defense and farm families had their own victory gardens because every bit of food they produced went to the effort to protect the country in which we live all of our lives all of our lives are predicated on the service and sacrifice of others. So as we listen to this podcast, let us all remember where we were on 9-11. Let us never forget those people who are willing to die and sacrifice in our behalf and to do it with dignity and courage. Let us never forget even those people today, farmers and firefighters, police officers and military personnel, parents and neighbors and fellow citizens who are willing to serve and sacrifice on our behalf. Eugene Kennedy writes, the flaming towers in the skies were not filled with business travelers or tourists that last morning, but with lovers, some laying down their lives for their friends, but all of them at their best, drawn fully out of themselves so that we see them as they really were all the time Blessed are these boomers unpossessed by their possessions, saving us rather than themselves, loving their own until the end, as great or greater than any generation we will ever know. God bless all those people who have sacrificed on our behalf. God bless America.
0: Our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for joining us this week on the PDPW Podcast. PDPW is Dairy's professional development organization. Producer-led and membership-based, we're here to share ideas, solutions, resources, and experiences that help individual dairy producers and our industry as a whole succeed. PDPW's focus is on producer professionalism, stakeholder engagement, and unified outreach. More info at pdpw.org.